You are listening to the Film Comment Podcast from the Cannes Film Festival. On today's edition, Editor-in-Chief Nicholas Rapold is joined by Amy Taubman to talk about the 82 protest, her thoughts on the Godard movie, Daughters of the Sun, and much more. But first, a message from our sponsors. The Film Comment Podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Custody, winner of the Silver Lion at the Venice Film Festival. This French domestic thriller will keep audiences guessing and leave them with their hearts in their throats. In theaters, starting June 29th. Autograph collection hotels are carefully chosen for their unique design, passion for craft, and an inherent connection to the locale. Each hotel has its own exactly-like-nothing-else story to tell. The Autograph Collection Indie Film Project supports independent film and celebrates the power of storytelling to inspire and connect people and places by leaving a lasting imprint. Autograph Collection Hotels, exactly like nothing else. This episode of the Film Comment Podcast is brought to you by MUBI, a curated online cinema streaming exceptional films from around the globe. Each day, MUBI introduces a new gem and you have one month to watch it. From timeless masterpieces to festival fresh darlings, every film is hand-selected. Try Mubi free for 30 days at mubi.com slash filmcomment. That's mubi.com slash filmcomment for your extended free trial. Hello, welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. My name is Nick Rapold. I'm the editor-in-chief of Film Comment, and I'm joined here by... Amy Talbin, who is a contributing editor to Film Comment and art forum as well. And uh, we just motored through another day in, in, in the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, we're in the Palais. Uh, just came out of the Alice Rohrwacher film, um, although we might save that one for later because we have so much other stuff to cover. Um, there was the protests yesterday. I don't know if you want to just talk about that on the steps, the 82. Oh, and... I didn't go to it. Okay. And I'm such so bad at... Um using Twitter, ah. that I wanted to la- add my name to this protest, oh. and it just wouldn't add. I mean, oh. They were compiling a list of names. Uh, but on the steps, the women who are on the jury, because it was led by Christian Stewart and Kate Blanchett, who are jury members, and mm-hmm. the other women on the competition jury, and Agnes Varda came down, yeah. and many actresses, and Apparently, I didn't see it live, but they went onto the red carpet right. to protest how few women there still were uh, directors uh, being shown at Cannes. Yeah, uh, and the protest had larger, uh, right? You know, was larger than that. Uh, that's all I know about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, I mean, maybe, maybe it's something we can talk about on another podcast, just because I'm, I'm still trying to gauge the like uh, effectiveness of it or how much of an impact it's made. You know, I think a lot of times when people talk about the protests, um, you kind of, um, it's not really, doesn't really engage with it. You know, I mean, it got coverage. So there's that, that's one measure of it. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it's hard to measure impact within a festival. Um, But uh, um, yeah, they managed to pull it off on, on the Saturday night, I'm sure with, with planning, uh, but um, yeah, we'll see and where that course, goes. And of course, Varda and mm-hmm. uh, um, Christian Stewart broke the rule because there's a new rule here that you're not allowed to take selfies on the carpet. Oh right, and yeah, they yeah. took selfies <laughs> of 
the protest on the carpet. Right, that's right. So they, they were fighting fighting the battle on multiple fronts. Um, but that's that's one aspect, I guess, of the things uh, that are happening here. Yeah, just one more thing about that. The interesting thing that ja, I interviewed Jajanka. Oh, yes. And this is just part of this whole, uh, the protest. And, um, and he said a very interesting thing about his film, which is basically taking the triad movies, the culture of the gangster, of the Johnny Toe and John mm. Woo movies, into the present day uh, or into the 21st century. Um, and uh, he, at a certain point, talked about how the, the gangster culture is the subversive culture vis-a-vis -vis mainstream China and that conventional society in China is getting more and more conventional. Huh. And then what could be less conventional to ha than to have right. a woman be at the center of yeah. this story and the person who upholds the culture of the, the gangster at the end. Yeah. So that was kind of really interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. I mean, that, that, that makes total sense, like the, the gangster culture... Also, you know, with all, all sorts of other traditions being just like, you know, destroyed and, and leveled, you mm -hmm. know, that that's preserved because it's outside of the, you know, outside of convention. Hmm. So, so maybe crime is the way that we'll all still have individuality <laughs> in the future. Well, I think he means the crime, the underworld, the underworld to yeah. be a metaphor for underground and independent ah, filmmaking as well. That makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and the last the last refuge of, of honor uh, as well. But this morning was also when the Jafar Panahi film screened, uh, which I quite liked and was among the highlights so far for, for you, Amy, right? I thought it was this amazingly subtle film. I mean, his films in general are subtle, but it has many, many, many layers, because it's a city versus country film. The premise is that Panahi and his uh, uh, longtime leading actress uh, are going to the countryside in a car, even though, of course, he's under house arrest and never supposed to leave. Yeah, that's strange. They're going <laughs> to the country because... They've received an email from a young woman who, which is really a suicide note. It's an email that's a suicide note and a video in which we see her hang herself and fall to her death. In some sort of cavern. In, it's actually the footage that opens the film. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and Panahi is very upset with the, uh, with his regular leading actress because she apparently has gotten this but she never sent it on or they didn't find it anyway it never got to him and he believes that this is real he says and they have to go and find out she believes that it is a fake um and so they go to see to try to discover what has happened and how they will find out in this small village whether someone has committed suicide because, you know, to commit suicide is a dishonor to the family, so it might be kept quiet. So it really is this kind of weird 
investigative film, um, but you know from the beginning that this is not like a documentary, that this is a scripted film, because the actress says to him, you know, you, owe, you have been promising me this part in this film that's about suicide. And of course, this is a film that is or is not about suicide, because it turns out not to be about an actual suicide, but about many, many layers of things, and a lot about, um, you know, the traditional culture and how distant the traditional culture is, although they've all seen Panahi's films and they know who he is, and they've all seen the actress. Nevertheless, this to them is so important compared, unimportant compared to the things that they need, like electricity and running water and all that stuff. It's a very, very layered film. And he's, I mean, I think he should win the palm as an actor. I, he is just <laughs> one of the great actors. But I, I think it's an amazing film. Yeah, I, I really liked it as, as well. And, and just the sense of it also as a, as a story that's being told and you don't know where it's going to wind next, you know. So that almost makes it feel like he's telling it to you personally, like it's just, you know, you're, you're at dinner with him and he's telling you this. You can kind of imagine him just drawing it out as he does. And then it's also partly, you know, a fair portion of it is, is in the genre of this car movie, you know, in the, the kind of Iranian convention that you're just yeah you're 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 in them you don't know where it's going and they even play that with with the twist and turns to the plot because one big thing is how this is a small mountain village so you have to honk a certain number of times to go around a bend Uh, and that's actually i thought becomes this beautiful kind of metaphor at the very end of the movie um for controlling destiny or not or uh, and and just really the end of village culture but we won't say any more about that right yeah yeah but it actually just occurred to me that this is a good, happens to be a good pairing not that we're going to talk about it with the roar walker as well in a way um just because of the village life aspect to it and the kind of going back in time by going into the country that just occurred to me but the roar walker is really magic realism that's true unless yeah. of course you believe in uh, yeah, the New Testament and all that, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, um, this is also sort of an unexpected film from Panahi in a way, partly because you, I, I thought that he couldn't really leave his home or you know vicinity or, and so the he has done he did do the taxi film he did the taxi when he was film. under house arrest. That's true, but this is kind of a little bit far afield. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a bit further afield. And I didn't go to the press conference, but I'll look for it online because right. uh, the producer, he, obviously he's not here, but the actress was here. Mm-hmm. And the producers were here, so I'm sure they talked about yeah. something or other. So yeah, I mean, that was definitely one highlight was the Panahi. And I mean, in a sense, reassuring because with a filmmaker like that, I'm always worried that that kind of playfulness of storytelling and you know slight reflexiveness is just going to kind of run out of gas at some point and I admit early in the film I was a little wary of it because I agree he's a great actor but I also get a little wary of someone playing the filmmaker role and I suddenly realized wait he's even always wearing the same like shirt and then shirt over the shirt he's like that's his character and I started trying to think where he falls into like the you know filmmakers playing themselves kind of tradition you know is he I don't know is he more of like Godard figure is he more like this kind of figure or that kind of figure um, but I, I think it still works as, as a device um, and that so that was that premiered last night 
had its press screening this morning, according to the new regime. Uh, and but we didn't, you didn't actually get a chance to talk with us about with with listeners about the Godard movie. If you want to, I think the Godard movie is great. Yeah. Um, and um, I mean, it is in this uh, mode of very late Godard. So it is a, it has similarities to, oh, I'm getting so bad about titles. What's the title of the last film? Goodbye to Language 3D. Goodbye to Language 3D, <laughs> but it has no 3D. Yeah, Although curiously, yeah. I have a friend, now a colleague, but he was a graduate student. Um, and he is a very big deal now in virtual reality editing, working for independent and art film directors. And the thing about VR, which I'm sure everyone knows, is that it's very, very hard to edit, which is why most VR pieces exist in a single shot, whether still or moving. Right. Uh, and so he's an editor. And he got this call about a m month ago from the co-editors on the Godard film, because it's Godard plus three people have credits for editing and um, that they were interested in something to do with his VR work, whether for this film or not, I don't know. And he didn't take off immediately to France, so it's obviously not this film. Is, well, there is that strange image that starts the film that feels like it came from a VR or but some I sort of CGI. But I thought that was an old, was that uh, an old? 3D image, CGI'd, oh, okay. but I'm not sure... Because almost, I mean, everything in this film are, are clips, but they're, most of it is like recycled clips that he's already used. Mm. So it's twice removed, like you're, there are whole passages from Listoire du Cinema or that film that was, you know, the scandal here when they made all the filmmakers make these shorts for the Millennium and um, Godard had to do one, and it was for the opening night gala. Uh -huh. And it was something in the 21st century. Right. History, uh, History Reloaded? Is that no, what that or something? No, no, no. It's some, it, uh, but it ends with of the 21st, the 21st century. century. Okay. Uh, like, I, I didn't actually see that. I don't think that one. Uh, I have it. I teach it all oh, the okay. time. <laughs> okay. So you can get it. Okay. Um, so he had stuff from that that image, that strange image where someone's going down the road alone and they pass a person standing there playing the violin. Oh, That's uh -huh. how that begins. Oh, okay. So anyway, it's Godard and his... I have a cold, that's why I sound like this, but <laughs> it's Godard sounding... His voice has gotten shakier and shakier and he does a lot of narration. And um, it is a history of cinema. I ran into uh, Colin McCabe on the Quasette, and Colin McCabe said he was very annoyed at all. That there was so much negativity and violence. And then he said, I don't mean that the world isn't like that. And I said, yes, Colin, there's a great deal of negativity <laughs> and violence, and the world is exactly <laughs> like that. But yeah. that doesn't mean that in the end, he doesn't say, we do what we can do, and we have to work. Yeah. Um, and it's so odd. I mean, at the press conference and in the film, there's this stuff in Eugene Jurek is the king, hmm. the 
documentary that where he drives around in Elvis's right. uh, roles, uh, talking to people in 2016, and. One of the people he talks to in the film is Chuck D. And of course, Chuck right. D yeah. is the person who wrote, you know, Elvis uh, doesn't mean shit to me, or right. Elvis <laughs> don't mean shit to me. Um, but Chuck D then elucidated this and said, of course, culture is culture. And he doesn't fault Elvis for stealing black music, he faults him for not giving anything back. And then he goes on a, a different moment and said, you know, we make things. That's all we do. And making things is the best defense against dogma. And that's what people who make art do. And that's pretty much the position of this film is, mm-hmm. as well. And so you go through... Five chapters. Oh, yeah. And, of course, the thing that sold me on this film (laughs) (laughs) is that there is this little moment where chapter five is La Région Centrale, which is the title of Michael Snow's The Central Region, La Région Centrale. Um, And at the press conference, the press conference was uh, Godard. That was a whole performance piece in itself. Yes, on a cell phone. You can see this on YouTube. Go to YouTube and look. It's 45 minutes, and he talks to the journalists in the room one by one. They come up and they take the phone. He's on there. He's on on FaceTime or something. Yeah, and um, he talks uh, about, you know, I just thought he stole the title. He said, oh, no, 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 that's a title that belongs to Michael Snow. So I said, oh, He's never credited anything, but yeah. this this film has an incredibly long list of credits of sources. Yeah, the longest list I've ever seen. Yeah, and it's it that was also used as the trailer, and and people didn't know quite what to make of it, and then it turns out that was like the index for the movie, basically. Ah. Um, and yeah, it's it's, it, I mean, it's, in terms of making things, that that brings to mind a, an, an, another theme of the film, or. Heaps returned to, and he was talking a lot about in the press conference was about the hand and the five fingers of the hand. Mm-hmm. So it's this, you know, you know, partly it strikes me as like very elemental to return to that, but it's also about, I guess, harnessing the power to make things, which mm-hmm. you do with your hands. And that was kind of poignant to hear him dwell on that somehow. Yeah, and mm-hmm. to say that he will go on making things as long as he can use his hand hands, and yeah. he has his eyesight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was really kind of... Um, gentle. Gentle, yeah. <laughs> and he was actually answering people. He and he, yeah. he was being relatively not, like, enigmatic, you know. <laughs> they were kind of answers. And he loved when the when, when the questioners, if they were Russian or Japanese, he got a big kick out of that, too. But the shape of the film, so the yeah. first four sections are very elliptical, and you don't have any sense of narrative connection. I mean, this connection between certain kinds of images, you know, violence, and, and there are contradictions. But the last section is actually a narrative, and it's a narrative about Arabia, not about Islam or Muslims or politics, but about this kind of fantasy of the possibility of a little culture in Arabia where the people just want to be left to live in peace. Of course, they aren't. <laughs> but nevertheless, it's this kind of narrative at the end. And 
you know, he used to be a great storyteller in this in his films. And this is kind of a reharkening to the history of this little story. Yeah. Which I thought was so moving. Yeah, that's true. It was, yeah. Um well, that's so. That's Godard. Wanted to give you a chance to say your piece on on, on Godard, yeah, and then I'll write it and easier then, to say it than. Yeah. <laughs> the Autograph Collection Indie Film Project celebrates the synergy between independent film and Autograph Collection hotels. Indie filmmakers and screenwriters tell stories that inspire and connect us. And at Autograph Collection Hotels, storytelling is in our DNA, enabling travelers to connect with each other and places around the world in a memorable way. This dynamic cultural program is anchored in three key programs. Screenwriters in residency, free indie films streamed at hotels throughout the U.S. and Canada, a portfolio of beautiful hotels and key film festival destinations. Learn more by visiting autographcollectionhotels.com. Autograph Collection Hotels, exactly like nothing else. The Film Comet Podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Xavier Legrand's Custody. This French domestic thriller about a bitter custody battle will keep audiences guessing and leave them with their hearts in their throats. Sight and Sound called it, quote, the most dazzling fusion of grim social realism and giddy genre thrills since Christian Monjou's Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days. Winner of the Silver Lion for Best Director at the Venice Film Festival, Custody opens June 29th at IFC Center before expanding to select cities. While we're here reporting from the Croissette, those who aren't with us can still enjoy the films of Cannes. Mubi is presenting a fantastic lineup of favorites from past years of the festival. Now showing on Mubi is Jafar Panahi's This Is Not A Film. Ingeniously subverting the notion of filmmaking, Jafar Panahi's created a deeply moving exercise in poetic and political justice. Discover this along with 29 other hand-picked films streaming right now on Mubi for free. Just go to mubi.com slash film comment to claim your extended 30-day free trial. We've also just been generally focusing, I think, on films that we like, um, but there are definitely some other films that maybe need to be brought to justice, I guess is one way of putting it. Um, and I think we saw one of those last night. Um, kind of unfortunate, I guess, because it's also one of the prime time slots to put it in. Girls of the Sun, which I went into pretty open-minded and, and optimistic also because I just uh, you know Golshifta Farhani who plays the kind of lead warrior uh, I you know even the problems that had this film I just when her face is on screen it's just she just she looks like a statue it's like a statue has come to life and it's kind of mesmerizing no matter what's happening mm-hmm. but still I think the movie had other problems that maybe you want to go into. Uh, she could not alone solve these yeah. problems and she fell victim to them I think as well um you know, there needs to be a film about the Kurds and particularly about Kurdish women fighters. And what is so disgusting in our culture is that, you know, we are walking out on these people. We're painting all of them as monsters. I mean, that's true about the Iranian films here as well, you know. People should see the Iranian films because... <laughs> Iranian culture is so like the United States. I mean, that's what's always extraordinary about seeing Iranian films. Um, But this film is like some sort of soap opera from the first minute they played this really loud music, and I thought, this is not going to work. So 
It is a French journalist uh, who's lost everything. She lost her husband, uh, also a journalist, was killed. She's a war journalist. She's lost an eye, and she comes to um, be with these Kurdish women fighters who are survivors of 7,000 women were captured in a village that was captured by ISIS, uh, and they were made into slaves, and particularly the uh, little girls of 9 and 10, who I guess ISIS find, is find particularly attractive, and then when they're no longer attractive, sell them off uh, for big money. Um, and she survived, and the story is about going back to rescue her son and other little boys who were captured and taken to be fighters, and that's why she wants, I mean, that's a personal reason, but she also wants to kill these fuckers. Um, it could have been a great story, and this filmmaker is not up to it, and so it plays like a soap opera. And I don't know what else to say about it, but it's terrible filmmaking. Part of it's also that it's a bit unfamiliar seeing sometimes a, the florid kind of approach it has applied to this kind of war, war scenes, which at times I was I was kind of intrigued by. Um, uh, it also has a bit of a, a structure that I'm not sure works all the time, where it's 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 going from the present time, um, where they are trying to take this hill and, and, and then later on, like, as he said, take, take the kids, rescue the kids, and then going to, with flashbacks to how she got to that point and how she herself had to escape and, and uh, all, all of that, which is a hard thing to do under the best of circumstances, mm-hmm. much less war or war movie. Um, and I just felt that kept on, felt like the movie was like doubling back on itself and, and, and stopping, which, yeah, I don't know, maybe seemed to heighten some of the problems in it as well. I mean, that one annoyed me because of, it wasn't that I felt she was exploiting it. It's just that the subject needed a better movie. Um, But there have been worse films. There have been worse films. Oh, boy. (laughs) So that is in film and in competition, that's a film directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. They are trying to have films directed by women here. Mm-hmm. Um, there are three in competition. I'm not sure how many in certain regard. Maybe a lot more. There are more. I noticed that section. So actually almost half-half works out to be. My position is there are really great <laughs> films made by women, and they're out there. Like, mm. where is Claire Denise's new film in this festival? But... It does the cause of women making movies no good at all just to put bad films by women in a festival like this. And this is really tricky because I'm sure there are as many bad films by male directors as there are by women directors. Um, But uh, there's a particular oh, we've struggled so hard to find films by women, the festival would say. And they just haven't done their homework. I mean, I have to say it year after year. You know these films are out there, and the festival doesn't look for them. So we have another truly terrible film <laughs> in, the, in a certain regard, 
which is like the information show. You know, you're not in competition, but it used to be truly an information show. Like, you knew you had to take a film from each country. Right. They don't quite do that anymore. (laughs) These are just not ready quite for prime time, but there's always some film in certain regard that should have been in competition. Right. And then there are films in in all the sections that should never be on a screen anywhere, and this (laughs) is one of them. Uh, It's called Angel Face. has nothing to do with the Preminger movie. And it stars Marion Cotillard in a particularly bad role, badly directed. And she's an actress who really needs a director to keep her focused. Um, And this is like the worst, this film is like the worst version you've ever seen of someone saw Florida's project, didn't understand it, and (laughs) thought they do a remake immediately. It's the French okay. remake of yeah. Florida. Be careful, they might actually take that and put <laughs> it on the poster. <laughs> um, yeah, she, she, I, it was disappointing, be, uh, you know, because I do, I, I, she can be a sort of force of nature. I know some people find her sometimes sort of bland, but I, w- I was ready to see what she would do with this, this character of like a, basically a, Single, well, I guess she's a single mom and she's just about to get married, and then things rapidly just she, yeah, she continues to be like a what's the word, train wreck. Um, but yeah, the performance is just not there. And I have to say, I did not make it through this movie, oh, so right. I don't know exactly what happens to her. She has a daughter, yeah, and the daughter seems I thought to the daughter as an actor was pretty interesting, actually. Yes, and um. <laughs> As enigmatic as she needs to be, yeah, and you know that she's got the better part in this movie, <laughs> um, yeah. But I didn't stay for it. Yeah, I guess yeah, that's her disclaimer. The movie might turn out to be a masterpiece in its last uh, second half, but <clears throat> didn't look like that. And uh, so that brings us to. I mean, I guess I can talk a little bit about a strange movie I saw today. That I, I don't know if it was a. I don't think it was a, one of the disasters or anything, but also in a certain regard, um, called Die, Monster, Die. Um, and it's, it reminded me a lot, and I'm sure it'll get written like this, a bit like Untamed by, uh, The Untamed by Amat Escalante, which had its a tentacle beast in it, and it was just various people, you know, coming into contact with this tentacle beast. And, and in that movie, the function of the science fiction element for me kind of refracted in a neat way all these like issues of like of gender and sexuality um in this film uh it this is more of a uh something somewhere between a horror and a mystery movie not a mystery for long but where there's this heads are getting eaten off in the country um and there's some crate it seems like at first there's a guy who is doing this who is you think he's like a maybe a werewolf character, and at first you think it's going to be one of these like contagion movies. Um, then eventually it seems that there is just some source of evil, and then there's an evil monster. And at a certain point, I thought that this was really just a like this guy had watched some like terrible, you know, terrible monster creature feature and decided I'm just going to make a really high quality version of this because you keep waiting for some other shoe to drop and it doesn't really quite happen. Um, although it does end with one of the most arresting images um, because this evil monster, whatever it is, or maybe it's even just a figment of someone's imagination. I'm not sure uh, the, the evil, the monster 
basically looks like like a Chuck E. Cheese like <laughs> beast with like this long tail that's also phallic and it's pretty disturbing um but also comical <laughs> because it's it's got sort of a caboose to it. <laughs> just it's just it just looks a little un, un, i don't know uh and there is a comic element through the film but i've never i was never sure how intentional it is in the big picture uh, i mean i guess i'm glad i saw it because just to see someone focus that hard on making this movie was was entertaining in, in a way um so that was Die, Monster, Die. My, my uncertain regard exploration for today. Was there anything else that... Uh, um, we could mention Girl. Oh, Girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another one that you wish... It was, was I wish it was better, yeah. but actually the performance was pretty interesting as far as it goes. Um, yeah. It's uh it's a teenage uh trans uh gender uh um male to female trans who wants to do the impossible and be a classical uh ballerina. And um most of the film, I would say at least 50% of the film, is her in her ballet classes. Um, and clearly, she has great uh, neck and shoulders and uh, to the waist, but below the waist, one imagines, because we almost never see this on the screen, that she's not on point, even right. though she's supposed to be on point. Right. So. So the, it's very limited in the way that they shoot her. And you realize, wow, she has great neck and shoulders, and then <laughs> you've seen it. Um, yeah, you only see her feet when they're showing how bloody they are, but you never really see only the emotions. You see that she collapses and how bloody they are. Right, yeah. Um, and the, toward the end of the film, there is a moment that is in keeping with many of the moments here at Cannes. <laughs> Which is a dick is unfurled. Uh, and I won't say any more about that. And right. Nick reminded me before that even the Pinahi uh, shares something of this, except there is no naked dick. There no, was. no, but it's, it's on screen. It's just you, you can't. Part it's, of it's on screen. Yes, <laughs> and we won't say what it is because yeah. we want you to be surprised. That's right. Yeah, there does seem to be, I guess I'll just call it some sort of phallic anxiety <laughs> running through a number of films uh, that just pops up, so to speak, here and there. Uh, and that actually happens as it, with this monster movie I just described as well. And surprisingly, there is almost, in the films I've seen, there is no pussy. So this is, you know, put these two <laughs> things together, right. it's very odd. It's very strange, yes. Yeah, so, someone's not paying attention. Um well, I guess that's a good place for us to finish up. Uh, and we'll talk to you tomorrow as the new week begins. We'll be having, I guess, a Lars von Trier movie, a Spike Lee movie, Lee Chang Dong movie. So a lot to look forward to. Uh, but until then, thank you, Amy, again, as always. Thank you, Nick. All right. Bye-bye. Autograph collection hotels are carefully chosen for their unique design, passion for craft, and an inherent connection to the locale. Each hotel has its own exactly-like-nothing-else story to tell. 
Autograph Collection Indie Film Project supports independent film and celebrates the power of storytelling to inspire and connect people and places by leaving a lasting imprint. Autograph Collection Hotels, exactly like nothing else. The Film Comet Podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Custody. Winner of the Silver Lion at the Venice Film Festival, this French domestic thriller will keep audiences guessing and leave them with their hearts in their throats. In theaters, starting June 29th. Don't forget to check out This Is Not A Film, now streaming on Mubi. Claim your extended 30-day free trial at mubi.com slash filmcomment. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash filmcomment.